Welcome to The Reality. And a very special hello to you. Welcome again to The Reality, half-hour talk show talking about the reality of real life as found in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. My name's Dudley Anderson, and I'd love to hear from you as you listen up to today's program. Why not drop me an email, dudley at surereality.net. I'll mention that email address again later on in today's show. Today in The Reality, we meet Richard Taylor. Richard Taylor is an author and a communicator and a pioneer, often been called on by mainstream media as a social commentator. Richard planted several churches and is founder of Victory Church in Wales. Richard Taylor has published several books, including his award-winning autobiography, To Catch a Thief. To Catch a Thief is the gripping story of how God set Richard free from a life of crime, violence and drug abuse. Growing up in one of the roughest areas of South Wales, with no father figure, Richard Taylor rebelled. As a teenager, he endured more than 30 convictions for drug abuse, drunkenness, burglary, auto theft and violence. As a heroin addict, crime seemed to be the only way to fund his addiction. But one night in the isolation of a prison cell, Richard Taylor was rolling a cigarette to smoke when God met him. I was on remand in Swansea Prison in 1993 and uh, I was rolling a spliff. And I ran out tobacco papers and there was a Gideon's Bible in my cell. So I opened up the Bible to, you know, John's Gospel and I tore out, you know, John chapter 3 or something like that, page of chapter 3, put my tobacco in, put my marijuana in there, licked it, stuck together perfectly. It was the authorised version, obviously, so it was great paper. And then I was about to rip some more out and I started reading. And I was intrigued why they killed Jesus when he didn't do anything wrong. And it made me mad. Today's The Reality was recorded in a coffee shop in front of a live audience. In a review of Richard Taylor's book, To Catch a Thief, Dr. Rowan Williams, previous Archbishop of Canterbury, said, One remarkable young man's encounter with the greatest reality there is. Richard Taylor found the reality of Christ in prison. It was a long road that led to that moment. So I asked Richard to tell us how he got to this point in his life. I was brought up in, as you can tell from my accent, from uh, very deep South Wales in a place called Llanelli. Now, if you can say Llanelli without spitting to the person in front of you, you've done really well, right? And uh, my parents were, we were considered poor working class family, council estate, Never enough money, people coming to the door, you know, threatening to take the TV away and all that stuff. And at a very young age, it became apparent that uh, my life was going to go a certain way because of the environment that I was in, the people I was spending time with, the relationships I developed. We were with people who were very much like myself. We didn't have much. And as a result of being outside all the time and, you know, messing about, stealing apples, throwing bricks through greenhouses and police coming back and forth to the house, it was teenage stuff to begin with. Um, what affected me the most was when my parents divorced. Uh, my dad uh, left, my mum kicked my dad out. There were some domestic issues uh, that were going on in the, in the family, which I didn't understand. I was 10 years of age at the time. And then I was put into foster care. So I was taken away from my parents to live with people that I didn't even know who they were. And I used to go to bed at night, cry myself to sleep, thinking, Mom, Dad, why have you sent me to these people? My mother couldn't cope with this four of us, three of my three brothers. Sadly, one's passed away from a heroin addiction at 35. So I live with, you know, the, the scars of that still, you know, and I'm thankful to God that I'm still alive because that could have been me. The reason why I rebelled 
was because of the hurt and the pain. That's where my rebellious streak came out of, the, the rejection and the hurt and the pain, which a lot of people experience, and that's why they react in those ways. And that's why, you know, you should never judge a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes. And I really believe that. Did you ever go to church, Sunday school? Um, my mother used to send us to Sunday school, um, but we never went. We actually burgled the church. Um, it's a true story. Me and my brother Mark, um, it was called Emmanuel Church, and it was the end of our street. And I knew that they took offerings there. I knew that they did. So we popped the window open. I can't show you how that would be wrong. And um, we got into the church. And the only concept of preaching I ever had is in Clenetley Town Centre on a Sunday or Saturday, sorry, outside Boots. There was a guy there called Die Cap. Now, that wasn't his real name. That's what we called him, okay? Die Cap. Wore a flat cap. And he used to preach. He'd have a big board saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And he would just, no one understood a word he was saying. All, he, all he'd do is go, repent. And he was like, well, what was he on about? So when we got into this church, I got up behind the pulpit and started preaching like die cap. Repent, my brother's in your gun, you know, guide me, oh, thou great Welsh him, and it's all that. And um, we're doing church. This we, we burgled it. We haven't stolen nothing from there. We're just having a service with what we knew. I mean, God must have a sense of humor because here I am some, you know, 30 odd years later and I'm in the ministry. You know what I mean? So be careful when you mock God because you never know. He might turn it around and use it against you. And, and I've been in a pulpit ever since. So um, that's the only time I went to church. That is the long answer to a very short question. Richard had a massive problem with drugs at this stage in his life. Most of the burglaries he did were done while he was high on drugs and were fueled by his need to sustain his habit. My incentive was never to be, become wealthy through crime. It was more uh, trying to feed an addiction. And these are things now that I look back on, not with great pride, but with great regret. Because, you know, I think to myself, how can I have done those things? But I, I was a different person then. I was a completely different person. The person I am today is not who I was then. And uh, looking back, I think, wow, how did I do these things? But when you're on heroin, when you're on cocaine, when you're, when you're on, on speed, amphetamine, cannabis, my life evolved around taking drugs. But the reason why I took drugs was to try and suppress the hurt and the rejection from my childhood. And no one would listen to me. That's how it felt. I felt alone, I felt isolated, I felt as no one cared. And that's the reason why the drug addiction yes. became so strong. But uh, no, seriously, um, you know, I'm just grateful to, to actually be alive. I got a beautiful family and a, a wonderful life and I'm thankful every day, man. That's why I'm always smiling all the time. I'm excited and I'm excited about being a Christian as well. Now, talking a little bit about drugs and I'm sure that there are folk in this room and or listening to us today that have either, uh, you know, uh, experimented with drugs themselves or know somebody who's um, either addicted or been involved in, in drugs. Mm. Uh, we know the lure of drugs and we, we know the lure of peer pressure to, to take drugs, but how easy is it to get hooked on heroin? What is its effect I mean, in your life? It's very easy. I mean, not, not everyone that starts with what we call introductory drugs ends up on hard stuff. That's the reality. You know, a lot of people say, you know, you start smoking cannabis, marijuana, you know, you end up doing harder stuff. Not everyone does, but it was the company that I chose and the people that I spent time with. I went around with older people when I was younger and they were all doing it. And I was in a flat one night with Mick the Brick. That's not his real name, it's his nickname. And uh, they were in the kitchen injecting drugs. And I, I, I vowed never to do anything like that. I was afraid of needles, you know. And, and I was in the other room taking pills and smoking bongs and weed and all that stuff. And, 
And I went to the kitchen out of curiosity, and because I was already high, stoned as we call it, I went in there and I said, boys, give me a go. And I just put my arm out, one of the boys got a vein up, and in it went, and that was it. I, I loved it. And here's, here's the thing, when I go to schools and talk to, to children, and the, the teachers get shocked when I tell them, drugs feel good. You know, the message for me is, when people say, just say no to drugs. But you need to tell teenagers and, and young people that drugs feel good. That's why people take them. They don't take drugs because they feel bad. You know what I'm saying? Because drugs are a substitute for what I believe is your identity in Christ and the peace that the Holy Spirit can give you far surpasses any drug I have ever taken in my life and it's free. So now I get high with the most highs. Brilliant. I love it. That is great. How did you get free of drugs? I know the power of God. God's yeah, I was, life, I, was, I was on remand in Swansea Prison in 1993. I was looking at a two and a half year stretch and I'd run out of tobacco papers. I had Bob Marley on the radio, no woman, no cry. And uh, I was rolling a spliff. And I run out tobacco papers, and there was a Gideon's Bible in my cell. Thank God for the Gideons. Eh? So anyway, so I opened up the Bible to, you know, John's Gospel, and I tore out, you know, John chapter 3 or something like that, page of chapter 3, put my tobacco in, put my marijuana in there, licked it, stuck together perfectly. It was the authorized version, obviously, so it was great paper. And, uh, and I, I smoked John 3.16. You know, I got the Word of God in me. Do you know what I'm saying? Literally, like... And then one day I started, re I was about to rip some more out and I started reading. You know, John's Gospel, chapter one, chapter two, chapter four, chapter five, <laughs> right through the end. And I, I began reading. I was listening to Bob Marley on the radio, smoking, smoking weed, but trying to understand who this Jesus was. I didn't have a clue about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, nothing at all. And I was intrigued why they killed Jesus when he didn't do anything wrong. And it made me mad. So that's when I went to see the chaplain and I went, I had to go to him. I said, Ted Hunt, his name was, he's passed away, passed away now. And I said, Ted, I'm not happy. And he said, why, Rich? He said, they killed this man, Jesus, in the Bible and he hasn't done nothing wrong. What's, what's going on here? And he had to explain to me because I literally did not have a clue. And uh, so that was my experience of my first kind of connection with God was through the Bible. Uh, which is amazing, in prison, a million miles away from a church, no choir singing in the background, just as I am without one plea that my blood was shed for me, nothing like that. Just the Bible in a jail cell. Uh, thank God for the Gideons. And um, that started to change my life. And I, I, I never believed, I was, I, listen, I'm not, even, I'm not religious now. I believe in Jesus. I mean, he's real. He's, he's real to me every day. But I never believed in anything like that at all. And, you know, I, I thought, when I started reading the Bible, it's as if, it was as if God was showing me my life, that you don't need to stay like this, Rich. You can be free from drugs. And uh, I started to see an alternative to a different way of faith. It was an amazing thing for me, discovering faith in Jesus and having something or somebody that I can trust in that would give me the strength and the courage, purpose and vision to overcome my addiction. But more importantly, to heal my pain and rejection because I was taking drugs to subsidize, and people do it through prescriptive drugs today. Celebrities are not. Take prescription drugs, antidepressants, you know, um, you know, and we've all gone through different things. We don't admit it, but we do. We go through depression, we go through, and we don't know how to handle it. You know, we might not have friends to talk to. Some of you have got a thousand people on Facebook, your friends. They're not really your friends. You've got about four, let's be honest. You know, and you, you, you don't know where to go. And one of the wonderful things for me is I know I can always turn to Jesus. And he's there. 
Every time I go to a museum, look, look at how emotional I get. I love it because I want people who don't know Jesus to, to, to experience it as well. I want them to see the reality of how rich their lives can be when Christ is in it. You mentioned uh, faith, Richard. In 21st century living, we are bombarded with technology. Mm. We've got everything at our fingertips. We've got the world at our fingertips. Uh, do we need faith? How does faith connect with all of 21st century living? Well, the funny thing is, I, I, I had a discussion a few times with scientists as well and people, intellectuals, and there's a lot of faith based in science. And so people have faith in all kinds of things. For example, this chair here has got four legs. You don't look at that chair and examine it and check that it's got four legs. Is it sturdy before you sit in it? You know why? Because you have faith that when you sit down on it, it ain't going to break. So people have faith. You don't walk into a room and look at a light switch and think, now I wonder how that light switch works. If I press it, it sends electric current up to the bulbs, 40, 60 watt, you'd know you just go boom and it comes on. Faith to me is a little bit like that. It's trusting in something that you feel is going to work. Something that is a reality, something that's there. And until you try it, you don't know. Until you put the switch on, you don't know if the light's going to come on. Until you put your butt down on the chair, you don't know it's going to hold you. And faith in Jesus to me is like that. And that's why I say to people, just try Jesus. You know, you've tried everything else. You've tried getting smashed. You've tried getting right off it. You've tried pills. You've tried drugs. You've tried relationships. None of it's worked. Why don't you try Jesus? And they go, oh, here he goes. He's a religious nutter. That's right. I am a religious nutter. And I love it. And I love it. <laughs> but I'm a happy religious nutter, you see. And that's what people like. Not a miserable one. Because religious, miserable people are the worst people on earth. You're listening to The Reality. Produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. We depend on the generous gifts of our listener to produce this program. You can help reach millions of folks with the sure reality of the message of Jesus by becoming a Sure Reality Vision Partner. To partner with us, please visit the website surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. So good to have your company. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dudley Anderson and indeed listening to The Reality, a half-hour talk show talking about the reality of Jesus. Today, we're speaking with Richard Taylor, getting high with the most high. I just love the way he said that. Richard was a drug addict. Richard had a really sad upbringing, but God in his grace and his mercy stepped into Richard's life. And we're going to hear more about that in just a minute. Richard was addicted to drugs, and he used to get high. And he's reminded us that uh, young people take drugs not because, um, well, not because it's just an adventure, but he says it actually feels good, which is a sad reality, isn't it? But then Richard pointed out that when he gave his life to Jesus Christ, he no longer got high on drugs because he found a new high in the Most High. The Most High God became his friend, and he discovered the reality of walking with God in Jesus Christ. We're speaking with Richard Taylor today in front of a live audience in a coffee shop. Richard, so you're in prison, right? And uh, you got a, an injection of faith. You went home to the chapel. You met the, yeah. um, the vicar in the chapel. Lovely man. Yeah, how did you come to that place where you said, okay, Jesus, come into my life? I, we had a guy come into the, the chapel um, and he sang a song by you 2 I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And the words and lyrics of that song are quite powerful, and they were to me. And I started asking the same question. You know, I haven't found what I'm looking for. Why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? 
you know, to get educated, to graduate, to get a job, to get married, to have kids, to grow old, to have a few holidays, and then die after I've had a rubbish pension. I'm thinking, there's got to be more to life than that. Otherwise, I want out of here. Do you know what I mean? I mean, so I, I started to explore those questions of life and all that stuff, and I found the answers in Jesus uh, through his life and his ministry. Eventually, I started to ask questions, and I had a guy called Ken Shingleton, who was a very, very, very special person to me. And he was a consultant for British Rail, but he was also involved with prison fellowship. And he'd come into the prison and sit in my cell and talk to me about Jesus. This is before I made that step of faith. And I thought the guy was a nut job, a proper nut job. But what struck me was how genuine he was and the love that emanated from him towards me. And I thought, how can this guy love me? When I am such a sinful person, I'm like, do you know what I've done? Do you know what I think? Do you know the stuff I get up to? And he goes, yes, Rich, but God loves you and he's got a plan for your life. And I was like, what do you mean he's got a plan? And I didn't, but he kept coming back week after week after week. And finally, he put me in touch with Victory Outreach UK, a Christian ministry that helps rehabilitate people. And I went to rehab, Christian rehab. And it was there that I met the Holy Spirit, and that totally changed my life. I thought Christians were all like, Amen, and all that. I know, no, all that stuff. I didn't understand it. And I was sat at the front. I don't know why I sat at the front. I mean, you should always sit at the back. Do you know what I mean? It's brain dead. Like, And uh, the pastor preaches, and I'm listening. I think I didn't understand a word he was going on about the temple, Ezekiel's wheels, and the 40 candles. I didn't have a clue what he was on. I thought he was tripping, never mind me. Do you know what I'm saying? I'll be, I thought, I want something when he's on. Anyway, so at the end of this meeting, he, he said, I saw Stan, we're going to pray now. Now, you have to start. I've never, never really prayed. You know, I've, I've, before then, I've thrown a few prayers out to God. God, you know, get me out of this situation. I'll do anything for you. I mean, we've all said that. You know what I mean? And um, I got up and stood up like my eyes closed. And I could hear all these people speaking in a funny language. And, I, and it wasn't Welsh. No, we shot it, right? I speak Welsh, right? This was not Welsh. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just funny. Like, and I, I was just, I, I didn't know whether to laugh because I, did, I didn't want to mock, you know, because I was in rehab. I didn't want to get kicked out of rehab. Otherwise, I'd be back in jail. I got to go along with the program here. Do you know what I'm saying? So I closed my eyes again, and they're all speaking in this funny language. I'm thinking, what on earth have I let myself in for you? I thought, right, you know, I've been in some situations, you know, in drug dens, but this, this tops it. This is mental. Then okay, what was going on? And all of a sudden, just this thought came to me, Rich, why don't you open your heart to the possibility that God can change you? Just in an instant. And ladies and gentlemen, and, and listeners listening to this broadcast, this is the reality. That night, 9th August 11th, 1993, as I opened my heart, I saw Jesus on the cross. Not something depicted outside an ancient traditional church building, but it was real to me. And he spoke to me, told me that he died for my sin, and that he had a plan for my life. Everything Ken Shingleton had been telling me in the jail, now Jesus was telling me. And I saw Jesus, and I saw the pain and the agony, and I realized that my sin put him on that cross, that when he shed his blood as a sacrifice for my sin, that God now would be appeased of his anger and would love me and forgive me. And that night, it was about 11.30 in the evening, I, I just said these words, God, I give you my life. I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't know where the words came from. I don't know why I said it. I just said it. And all of a sudden... I started speaking in a funny language as well. 
Now I joined the rest of that lot, right? But here's the amazing thing, ladies and gentlemen. I, I didn't know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. A lot of us will know about that. Some of us won't. So the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you speak with the tongues of men, which is different languages, and the tongues of angels, angelic language. And as I was speaking it, uh, it, it was, it was like, how can I explain this? Without being disrespectful to, to the Holy Spirit, the God and Jesus, it was like the best rush of any drug I'd ever taken. And I'd, I'd put needles in my arm, I'd put, you know, all kinds of stuff in my body. But nothing, nothing could touch the touch of the Holy Spirit. Whoa, I tell you what, whoa, I get excited now, I'm to jump over a table. It's great. <laughs> so, you know, I've had some incredible experiences and, um, I just love the Holy Spirit. I, I just got joy in my heart and my life in the midst of, you know, challenging times because of that. You're listening to The Reality. We're speaking to Richard Taylor, a life touched and changed by the reality of God. Richard went off to Bible College where he met his lovely wife, Jill. Two years into a theological degree, he was already pastoring a church of 12 people. A gracious and a caring group of people, seasoned believers had blessed and helped Richard at the early days of his ministry. And God caused this church to grow under his care. But soon Richard was invited to speak in various churches around the country. Later God used him to plant a church in Wales called Victory Church that witnessed a great outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. When I took, uh, went back to Wales, it was to, uh, to take over Victory Outreach UK, the same rehab that helped me to become the director and to lead that same work, and I did. One thing I realized was the guys and girls that we were working with who had gone through, I mean, some of their stories are horrific. I won't even begin to share some of it. It's, it's too horrific. We were going to churches, but churches didn't know how to handle the guys and the girls that we were helping. The, the reality was we needed somewhere that they felt at home. So I started the church with 30 people in a lounge in one of our homes. About 20 guys and 10 girls, all from, you know, crime, drugs, prostitution, being raped, being all kinds of horrific things they've been through, abuse. Started the church with broken people with no money. Because <laughs> none of them had any money. So, you know, we did trust in Jehovah Jireh. You know what I mean? It was literally one of those. And then I started to teach the Bible. I thought, teach them the Bible, Rich. That's the best medicine to help these people. Teach them the Bible. Not seven steps to a successful, or no, just teach them the Bible, teach them about Jesus and be real. So I did that and then we launched out, we started, and God spoke to me and says, start a church in Wales. And I was like, oh God, please no, I've left all that behind in the Midlands, I do not want to start a church. And so we started a church um, in, firstly in Abertleary, then we moved from there to Pontypool, where we grew to 150 in a leisure centre. Then I acquired a building, um, got this incredible um, industrial unit that we converted with no money, but through the faith of the guys and girls that were working class, on benefits, broken people, we built the church with our own hands, built the stage, the, everything, incredible. And then we had an amazing revival. We had a, called the Welsh Outpouring when God poured out his spirit and we, we met every night for six months, every night. People came from all around the world, literally, and I didn't know what was going on. People were queuing for hours and hours and hours to get into a service. Never mind queuing for a coffee, they were queuing to get into church. You know something's happening when people queue, because most people can't wait to get out of there, do you know what I'm saying? 
and the service went on and on and to early hours and we saw well thousands of people and um, that were healed there was you know recorded 1500 decisions first time decisions not you know if buts maybe second these were first time decisions for the lord we didn't really know what was going on we were like oh what's happening we're clear what's going on and it was phenomenal it was it was incredible experience and then out of that then we planted where well, we were planting churches and we planted several eight churches out of that then so yeah it was incredible we're listening to the story of Richard Taylor in The Reality. God was moving Richard, in fact, moving Richard on in life, and was soon to found a new ministry called New Beginnings. We don't believe God gives second chances or third chances. He gives new beginnings, and there's a big difference. I used to preach, you know, God's the God of the second chance. No, he's not. He doesn't give you a chance. He gives you a new beginning, and there's a big difference. So my wife and I are intentional about helping couples in relationships uh, young people who are struggling as Christians to try to understand how God can t- continue to love them when they mess up. And that's a massive thing within the church. There are more people that have left the church because the church couldn't understand why they did what they did and they can't find forgiveness for them, but they ask forgiveness for God for themselves. And there's something wrong with that. That is not the reality of Jesus. Jesus said, if you can't forgive men their sins, neither can my heavenly Father forgive you. And so me and my wife have got a massive heart for forgiveness for people and embracing people that have been rejected by the established church. And I think that's a great thing. And the church needs that, bringing hope and healing to people. In closing, I must say that I have heard you tell a very intriguing little story about how in uh, the chapel in prison, you were called to walk down the altar with some incense. Given oh, the fact yeah. that you were recovering, I, I left that out of the story. You were there, recovering yeah. from drug abuse. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I started going to the chapel, and Ted Hunt, the vicar, asked me if I would take part in the service. I didn't have a clue, and so I said, "Yeah, man, of course I will." I, you know, so I'm listening to Bob Marley, smoking a spliff in my cell. This is before going to the chapel inside the prison, and um, he said to me, "Oh, do you mind carrying the incense, which was this like?" bowl with some stuff in it on a chain it's like a woman's handbag on fire that's what it's like right and so so I, I had to walk down the aisle like this there's a cross in front of me in it and I thought oh this is alright they, they told me what to do to do the shape of the cross over the altar then hang it up and sit down I thought oh I got that it's easy but I'm stoned anyway so I was walking down the aisle and I got a sniff of this incense well drug addicts will try anything you do know what I don't know and I I, 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 I literally I pulled the bowl up to my face and I thought I'm going to have a go at this now see what happens so ladies and gentlemen I was on the hospital wing for three weeks with respiratory breathing problems <laughs> today on the reality we've been speaking with Richard Taylor author of the book To Catch a Thief sold where books are sold what a great story if you have any questions, I would love to hear from you. Do drop me an email, if you will, dudley at surereality.net. could be that you've been listening up today and you find yourself in a very similar situation that Richard found himself in. Perhaps you've been abusing drugs. And let's be sure that getting high on drugs will only destroy your body. Richard said that he found a new high, a new high in the most high, in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit in his life. If you'd like to know more about that, I would love to answer your questions. Do drop me an email, dudley at surereality.net. 
You know, the Bible says that God loved you so much that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die upon a cross for your sins. It says in the Bible that if we confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior of our lives and believe in our hearts that he died and rose again, we can find a new life, the same new life that Richard was talking about today, a new and a good life. The Lord God Almighty can change your life for the good, for good, if you choose to put your faith in Jesus I encourage you to pray a prayer and simply say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Come into my life, Lord. I give my life to you. Again, if you'd like to chat about that, I would love to hear from you. Dudley at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by a listener-supported radio ministry called Sure Reality. We produce these programs to impact lives around the world, and you could be part of that. Please consider becoming a vision partner with us by going to our website, surereality.net, and click on Become a Vision Partner. From me, Dudley Anderson, to you as always, walk in the sure reality of Christ. Christ.